When disaster strikes, quality medical care could be out of reach. Your survival and that of your family may count on having the right first aid supplies, plus some knowledge of basic emergency care. With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Joseph Alton, MD. He's a board-certified obstetrician and pelvic surgeon, and with his wife Amy, who is an advanced registered nurse practitioner, they're the authors of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Help is Not on the Way. Dr. Alton, can we start with just some examples of medical emergencies that people may encounter in a disaster scenario when help is not on the way? Well, you know, natural disasters such as tornadoes, hurricanes, and wildfires, gosh, earthquakes, they most commonly result in traumatic injuries. So you could expect to be faced with victims that are bleeding, that have broken bones, that have burns. And in the aftermath, even dehydration caused by intestinal infections from water and food contamination. And so for all that, you're going to need supplies and knowledge how to use them. You need to put together a medical kit with tourniquets and bandages and splints, wraps, all sorts of things and even methods to disinfect water. There are some companies that sell these sort of prepper medical kits. What basic medical supplies do you think the average home should have on hand? Can people do that on their own, and is it expensive? It doesn't have to be expensive, and there's a lot of improvisation that can go on, but it all depends a little bit on the disaster you're concerned about. But in general, you want materials that will deal with minor injuries like moleskin for blisters from long hours hiking, plus supplies that deal with, as I mentioned, bleeding and orthopedic injuries, burns, and those types of things. These don't have to be expensive at all. As a matter of fact, from a water sterilization standpoint, just boiling water rolling boil for one full minute was good enough to make water in most cases safe to drink above 2000 meters it needs to be boiled for three minutes by the way just eight drops of household bleach for example will also make water safe to drink if the water is cloudy use double that amount and so there are lots of different ways that you can do this that don't cost much at all a matter of fact old sheets can be turned into bandages just so much that you can do just from things that you have in your own home that can become part of a survival medical kit. Many of these are literally life and death skills. I think one of the worst case scenarios people envision is trying to help someone who is bleeding badly. What are the basic steps to try to get that under control? Well, that is something that you would start off by applying direct pressure. And so applying direct pressure in many cases will stop bleeding all by itself, but you have to do it for a longer period of time than people probably think, and you have to be patient Now, there are circumstances where there's arterial bleeding. Arterial bleeding can be identified by the presence of bright red blood that's spurting out of a wound in coordination with the person's pulse. And if you see that, then you should go directly to the tourniquet. And so this is something that, you, like I said, you need to have a tourniquet as part of your basic medical kit. And you need to use that as a first course of action. And this is something that we learned painful lessons in Iraq and Afghanistan. We found that not using a tourniquet as a first course of action and a lot of the injuries that our soldiers had resulted in some unnecessary deaths. If you were going to offer some advice to be prepared for natural disasters, such as earthquakes, blizzards, mudslides, what would you say? Well, I think one thing that's very important is to have good supplies. You need to have non-perishable food. You need to have a supply of clean, fresh water. You need to have a good medical kit. A weather radio, I think, is very important. A NOAA weather radio, one preferably that's a hand crank or battery powered, something portable, that's going to be something that I think is very, very important. You have to also make sure that you have the ability to leave the area to evacuate 
if there are indeed evacuation orders. One of the basics is that you should follow evacuation orders if they are given, because there's usually a pretty good reason why that happens. I think many people are so intimidated or outright scared that they would be reluctant to try to help or afraid they may do the wrong thing in a high-stress situation. What would you say to that? Well, you know, we're used to having the ambulance just around the corner or the rescue helicopter just over the horizon. So it's understandable if people want the pros to handle things, but we have to realize that we may someday be the highest medical asset left in a major disaster. And in this situation, you have to let your inner good Samaritan take over and act to save a life. Our experience is that many lives can be saved by quick and effective action by bystanders at the scene. Dr. Joseph Alton, the co-author of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Help is Not on the Way. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. That wraps up another edition of InfoTrack, a weekly production of Syndication Networks of Chicago. InfoTrack Internet services are provided by Pear.com. Thanks to this week's contributors, Roy Mackey and Gina Tedesco. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm your host, Chris Whitting, inviting you to join us next week for another edition of InfoTrack.